Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a podcast by DriverReach in partnership with Freightways. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder of DriverReach, a modern software solution at the intersection of recruiting and compliance. With over 20 years in the trucking industry, both on the carrier side as well as the vendor side, I bring a wealth of expertise around all things recruiting, retention, and compliance. And on this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges from recruitment and retention to the realm of regulatory compliance. Your positive feedback keeps us motivated. Don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on your preferred platform. Now, this week, I'm excited to be joined by a great friend from across the pond, Simon Curtis, CEO of Career Driver and founder of a leading global social media and digital marketing agency. So glad to have you on the show, Simon. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to uncover your background uh, and discuss your journey in the uh, digital yeah. marketing world, as well as your unique approach to solving some of the problems that this audience is all too familiar with, driver recruitment, as well as data protection. And uh, we could also talk about the differences you see uh, between the regulated CDL driver recruitment space and the passenger ground transportation space that you're also deeply involved in, as well as some of the differences maybe from the UK and other parts of the world and, and what you see in the United States. And then lastly, uh, we'll also answer a question from a listener during our Deeper Dive segment. Does all that work for you? Yes, mate. Sweet. And all right, mate. I love it. Now, before we dive in there, by the way, uh, I got to tell you, and the audience will hear it uh, soon enough, love your uh, love your your accent. It's uh, one of the main reasons, in addition to your knowledge and expertise, that I wanted to have you on the show. But uh, That's fine. I, I've leveraged this accent once or twice in my... Uh, Seven years doing business out in the states, mate. So <laughs> as as you should. Now, before we uh, even dive in, I'm curious if you have any uh, book recommendations, anything that you that really resonates with you, or that you get a lot of uh, inspiration from. Yeah, great question. I this is a book that I get all my staff to read, and it is that it, the book's called The Challenger Sale. Um, don't ask me who the author is, but I'll I'll give you the information so you can put a link link to it but the challenger sale is is kind of puts into 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 words uh, have you got it is that i do you... i do yeah. and i uh and i'm trying to find it on my shelf i'm familiar with it and i think i've read it but i didn't mean to interrupt you no no it's fine it's fine <laughs> um so ba- basically the reason why i like that is because set you know sales is an absolutely crucial part of business actually to quote the textbook sales is a part of marketing which is which is my my world um, a lot of salespeople don't like that, which is one of the many reasons they're getting to read that book because it's all about understanding a problem and then presenting solutions. That is a really, really super, super succinct synopsis of something that requires far more, uh, you know, neat, but we've only got a, f- a few minutes. But the point is it can be applied to all walks of marketing. And I think actually... Business and commerce as a as as a whole. So it is a it's an incredible book, and don't read it just because you're not a salesperson, because it's it's way deeper than that. And strategy, which is a big part of what I do, I try and derive everything from data driven strategic solutions. And yeah, the challenge you sale really explores how you can pull that out of the people you're doing business with. Yeah, excellent, uh, excellent suggestion, and uh, I agree. I, it's been several years since I read that, definitely pre-COVID, but um, but that's a that's a really good one. So good, good, uh, good suggestion. Now, let's before we get into you know some of the marketing uh, things that you're doing and seeing, and especially 
globally as as well as in different sectors. I'm just curious, how'd you even get into into marketing in general? Kind of what's your story? What got you into into marketing and then specifically into into transportation? So I graduated um, college or university, as we as 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 we call it, in 2004, so 19 years ago, and I. I ended up working at the university in the sports department and there's it's nowhere near as involved as college sport is in the US but it was still it's a passion of mine and I really dug into participation in sport and and put putting on activities to get more people involved in sport and what I realized quite quickly is in order to do that I'd need to be good at marketing so I kind of was schooled through um initially just kind of learning as as you go and then i actually did a master's in uh, sports marketing and management which the university paid for me to do which gave me a little bit of academic foothold of what i did and then i worked in the hospitality and event space in my 20s um where it was all about marketing and actually we started using social media before it was really ever used from a commercial basis um widely adopted anyway um, and then kind of felt like I needed to grow up a little bit and not be bouncing around nightclubs and, and bars as much. Um, and I set up an agency uh, with a guy that I used to know and, and, and work with. And yeah, that was a decade ago. And here I am now. I, I you know, I started in hospitality. We, we won a, a, a nationwide contract, which took me from being an expert in my space, so vertical, and I realized less is more. So we, we, we kind of decided to pick on the, the travel vertical, which covers transportation and, hosp- and hospitality, lots of synergies between the two. But because I was kind of pigeonholing into a sector, there's only so much business that you can do within a country. So then that's how I expanded internationally, and then that's why I'm here, here today. It's a whole other story how I got into into transportation, but you, yeah, just part of the journey as you go along, you know what it's like. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's hard uh, once you really get a feel for it, and you feel like I can really help people. Uh, you don't want to leave because it is uh, while in, in this case in transportation and, and trucking, even specifically, which is a majority of our audience is uh, is from. Um, it's a great industry. It's huge, and there's a lot of there's a need, and especially a need with what I would say uh, your refreshing approach. And I say that because I, I do want to unpack that a little bit because uh, you've probably seen, as you've gotten into doing uh, work in the United States over the years, you've seen uh, that there are some older, you know, legacy companies that are in the marketing and advertising agency type of space that maybe aren't as. Uh, uh, above board. I don't know how to say that any better than that. But you know that they that they uh, t- maybe take advantage of uh, of their of their customers. And so, I think you're. I I can comment to that. So, I think there's another point I I, I want to go back to, and actually I'll, I'll 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 start there. The reason I got into transportation was we had one uh, transportation client in the UK close to my my office in, in in the north of england and it coincided with uber moving into the uk 
which was a huge disruptor in the uh, the, the ground pas- passenger transportation space. And what we, we were able to do, because it, at the time, digital, especially social media, was brand new. And that kind of dovetails into your point about the old way of doing things versus the new ways. But I was trailblazing. And what we did was hyper-local marketing at a at an at a incredibly, incredibly uh, focused area to combat a large global company that could just do broad brushstrokes marketing. And we were able to combat it not only with quality, but also cost effectiveness. And we'll talk more about, I guess, my ethical paradigm about how I run marketing marketing and i'll be honest and i don't mind saying this um wolf of wall street the guy um matthew uh mcconigal when he was doing that speech talks about fagazi you know and he was he was talking about that people don't really understand it and i think i have the attitude that whenever i linking back to the challenge you say i will always try and educate and explain to people to help them make decisions so that they understand because this is you know, and it, it's not just in the transportation sector or even in the trucking. You know, there's a lot of people that have had very successful businesses that almost made their success pre-digital. So actually, you, you know, they don't know what they don't know. But what I try and do is make sure they do know so they made the right decisions because what happens there is you're only building long-term relationships. I've had clients for over a decade. It's virtually unheard of. And, it's, and, and part of it is because it's an open book policy People understand what they're spending their money on. They understand cost for acquisition. They understand um, split testing and how to Im- improve it. And if we improve the uh, the cost of acquisition, we roll that onto the client. It's not our ben- it's not our benefit. But we'll talk talk more about that. But I think you were very diplomatic with how you said that, and I think it's more just the case of sadly, it's it's the same in a lot of digital. It can be this for Gazi, and it doesn't need to be. Because actually, it's complex, but there's very easy ways to, um, to 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 communicate what's going on so people understand, and that's how I built a successful business by that that way of working. Well, and you you especially with different uh, sectors that you're in, in in both you know ground transportation, uh, the trucking industry, you know, there's a lot of different types of clients there. How do you how do you approach marketing? in those instances because they're you know in some cases unique needs or unique audiences is there how do you you know and it's probably a broad question but it's no it's not it's a really good question mate and the fundamental principles don't change it's almost like i'm a chef and i've got all the raw ingredients but you know that doesn't make a good chef you need to know the right bits you know the right weights or volumes or whatever um i'm not a very good chef i just Yes. <laughs> the point is that's how we that that's that's how you do it. And then if you drop in the fact that there are certain learnings that you know in the key verticals. So in the US, we do we were in the motor coach space, public transit, TNC, which is the license that Uber and Lyft have, taxi, chauffeur, non-emergency medical. Um, there's another one, but I can't even I can't even think. But the point is. There are fundamentals that are the same. You're kind of taking passengers from A to B and hopefully not via C. You know, it's kind of the same with, with trucking, but there's nuances of locality, um, demographic, you know, which is something I think 
for the purpose of this isn't isn't so so relevant. But you need to understand are they B two B? Are they B two B two C? Are they B two B two C? What partnerships do they have? Then you look at the data, so you can actually go and there's tools that will tell you um, search terms and search volume in a certain uh, geographical area. So you look at that. If a lot of people are searching for something that pertains to the client's product, you might look at that. But if there isn't a lot, you're not going to bother and you're not going to try and sell them something that isn't going to move move the needle. Then you've got organic social, paid social, content marketing strategy, you know, email email stra- strategy, uh, and and so on and so forth. So there's a lot to it. So there's this kind of blueprints, but then you need to actually look at the locality and the specifics of the business that you're working with, their cycles, what's going on and so forth. So it's a bit of learning and it's a bit of that all linking back to the challenges sale, you know, understanding what they want. I will always start my uh, sales calls by, I won't talk about me, I will just listen and I will learn and I will hear what, what they've got to say and encourage people to share what they're, you know, I always say, where have you been, where are you now, where do you want to go? And then that normally, uh, you know, I did one this morning with a guy who, has this 300 uh, seat restaurant in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, right? And he does an amazing job. And I kind of just said to him, you don't really need me. I think there's a couple of things that I can help, um, you know, make better, but you're doing a great job. And I kind of like that. And I know that sounds weird because I'm probably not going to make a sale, but I'll never sell something to people where they don't need it. Like, I I guess I'm quite principled in, in some respects. Well, and and before we get into you know some of the other things, I, I think I think it'd be helpful to just share since we were talking about you know marketing and some strategies, some tactics. Um, any any good takeaways that you know any you know for any of the those listeners you know here looking to enhance their recruiting efforts, any particular you know key digital marketing strategies that you might recommend and uh, how how they can leverage those strategies effectively. Yeah, I think. Get your house in order first is my number one. Um, trucking companies, in many respects, and this this is a this I, I don't do much in truck, so hardly anything actually. But I, I I don't believe that their marketing affects, as in traditional digital marketing affects how much business they get from from customers. So it's all largely focused around, and I know there will be bits, but a lot of the reason I'm making this point is there's a lot of, a lot of my clients will be able to um, connect their uh, customer acquisition with their employee acquisition. And Hilton is one of our biggest clients, so it's the biggest hospitality company in the world. And we built the brand, the content strategy and the brand behind the, uh, check it out on uh, Instagram, it's at Taste, Taste of Hilton. Everything was built with the input with the employer brand in mind, we were trying to convert, uh, a, a, I guess, a paradigm shift across the across hospitality in Europe, Middle East, and Africa from perceiving hotel food and beverage as dull, dry, and just a tick box for brand standards and try and make it cool and fun and funky um, and, and allow people to, to, to want to work there. And that, for me, is getting your house in order for any transportation company. And irrelevant of whether you're use, then you, using your digital equity to gain customers, your 
your employer brand um, will resonate with both customers and potential and existing employees. So I would say point number one is get that in order. Focus on that. Even if you won't directly move the needle, the stats are insane. About 80% of decisions that are made digitally, people will check social media, even more than web, but you should have it. And the amount, you know, me and my co-founder, Jody, we go around the US, the UK, Australia, Canada, wherever it is, and we talk and we educate because we're not where trucking is in the put. And, you know, we're, we're quite, quite far behind. But I'll always do a show of hands. And it isn't even, do you have an employer branding? You know, they're attending a recruiting workshop. And I'll say, how many people have a, a, a jobs page on or state that you're hiring on your social media or your website? And hardly anybody puts their hands up. You know, so that would be probably for, for, for this audience would be my biggest takeaway. And then after that, it's, I will challenge everybody to look at all the different um, mechanics for generating leads. It isn't a case of job boards, indeed. You know, you can do a lot on paid search at Google PPC. You know, you can do display marketing and you could use a third party network, not even a Google network, where you're not policed by the same anti discrimination policy. So you've got like Outbrain or Taboola where you can literally hit websites where statistically your potential audience is, a, a, you know, your target um, employees are sat. Social media, you can do organic social, not just paid social. Um, and I guess the one thing where we kind of have our secret source is we've learned out of pure necessity to survive post-pandemic about ways to... Um, manipulate in a perfectly above the board way um meta ads um in particular um to generate really cost effective leads and that's proactive so if you think about it somebody searching on google or somebody going on a job board that's reactive they're going so what we do and this is a bit that i think most people miss and why we're doing as well as we are is because we're proactive as well as reactive. And I, I, you know, and I guess the last point is just because you've always been doing something a certain way doesn't mean you can't change and look at it. You know, and this isn't for me, we're not doing anything in trucking right now, but there are other ways to do it. That's all I'm going to, you, you know, say mm -hmm. at this stage. Well, and one of the biggest frustrations, you know, you and I have, have, have spoken a number of times is, uh, you know, just the lack of technology with some companies. How, how important is leveraging technology in this whole process? I mean, it's obviously the marketing, you know, the strategies and the tactics that we're talking about. But then, wh what what role does technology play in that for your customers? A huge, huge, huge part. And it's not just about technology or not technology. It's about integrations and it's about tracking. You know, and there is so much data that you can garner from this type of work um and because you can look at data in two ways there's the data of tracking and there's the data about how you can make that data work for your marketing so people don't realize that you can take you can take your a set of data and you can enter it into linkedin ad manager google ad manager or meta ad manager, you know emails and sound numbers and it can literally it will find accounts associated to that data 
which you can then run ads to target that data. So you're not just recycling through SMS and email to your can- candidates that you know you've not converted, but you've paid good money for those leads. So you can target them through so you know through social media ads. That's one way that the data can work. But then if we took move back to technology, and I'm going to share something in our journey with Career Driver, which is just over a year old now, and we we had pockets of technology that we're using and then we you we moved to an ats and i've said this to you a couple of times joe you know that was a game changer for us because it was a conduit for everything to sit and it and it just allowed us to automate our process the tracking was great so we could see where all the sources of the leads were coming we could integrate everything in um and Technology is such a buzzword, especially now with you know everyone talking about AI, which has existed for a lot longer. But there's it's funny, there's companies that I've known that have been around for a decade that have now just rebranded their, themselves as AI when it's the same it's the same product. But you know you don't need it for the sake of it. But I think when you're talking about marketing and recruiting, technology that pulls everything together and acts as a conduit for all the bits, then you can add in. Comply, you know, compliance and safety and retention and training. I think it's paramount, and I think it's from a scalability, but an automation. So it's going to save you time, and you're going to be more, 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 more efficient and therefore better. Even little things like just um, automations to uh, generate quick feedback. You know, the number one point to recruiting, certainly that I I've learned over the last year, is speed of follow up. And just by auto, you know, a little bit of tech to automate that can make all the difference. And it could go on and on, but it is very important, mate. Very, very important. Well, and you've touched on data. And I know that you likely deal with a, a vast amount of client data, candidate data. How do you balance the need for, you know, that data driven insights, but the responsibility of ensuring the privacy and security of the information you handle? And I, and I really kind of ask that because we've had a lot of conversations about how important that is, and especially what you've seen in the trucking space, um, where, you know, I would say the major, uh, the largest player in this space uh, really grants access to all kinds of data that uh, of their customers. And that's a, it's a pretty big ethical violation that we, uh, I think we both agree. Yeah, I think <laughs> I come at this from a place where GDPR was implemented into the UK about five plus years ago. And that really, to summarize what was an absolute, I can't think of a word other than swearing, so I'm just going to move on, but it was, it was, it was challenging. But the way it it basically made Europe, because this wasn't just a UK thing, it made Europe look at, how it shares data, how it stores data, how it monetizes it, and what you can and can't do to get it and then monetize. And it changed everything from like, you can't just have an automatic opt-in. It can't be assumed. You have to ask people to agree to opt-in. And to be honest, it blew me away when I first got my cell phone in the U.S., I didn't give it to anyone and people were ringing me all the time. And I was like, how is this even happening? And so 
Exactly, mate. Exactly. And it's super easy to get off it. You can literally just say, you know, remove my data and they have to legally do it. And I think what's interesting of what I've observed in the trucking space is that there is a mismanagement of data. It's not breaking any laws, so I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong from a legal perspective, but actually, and this is just my opinion, I believe that it is very unethical. And it's not even for the drivers. It's actually for the, the trucking companies that pay the money for the data, pay the money for services that manage that data, and then it's being touted out through different ways. I don't fully understand. So I will, you know, I will caveat all this with that. But it makes no, it, it, not only does it make no sense, but I believe it's actually creating a problem. It's billed as, as providing a solution, but it's not providing a solution. It's providing a solution for the companies, the marketing companies and, and ATSs and so on, to actually generate more revenue because they're facilitating the movement of truck drivers and you, and it's normalized. And I, you know, I come from a different country and a different sector. So I, this is absolutely from the outside looking in and I'm sure there's more to it, but I don't believe it's right that somebody, a company pays for a lead. They don't know what the actual cost was. They just know that they paid an amount of money. That blew my mind because I mean, if I did that, and bear in mind, my, you know, my premium clients is Hilton, Uber, Milwaukee Tools, and Vimeo, like no small companies. If I went to any of them, but even any of my smaller companies and said that we were doing that, I, I mean, I, I would be fired before I finished that sentence, but it's normalized in trucking, mm -hmm. and that's not okay, in my opinion. I definitely agree with you there, and then... Just for the sake of time, I want to make sure we get this deeper dive question. We've got one minute left. And uh, the question is, is from a from a, an audience uh, member, what's the best way to track success with our marketing spend? Is it cost per lead, cost per hire, or something else? With 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 one minute left, what do you uh, have to say? All, all of it. So you've got to remember, you've got a campaign from start, start to finish. So you've got your cost per click right at the top. Then you've got your cost per lead. Then you've got your cost per conversion. But the, the, the way you get your bang for your book is you split it down into each different campaign, so PPC, job boards, blah, 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 and then look where the sources are from. But then split test, change up the creative, change up the wording, and see which one works best and gravitate through. But the only way you can truly get an understanding of end-to-end -end campaign costs is to track every part. And you can do that with some pretty basic tools without having to violate any ethical data part. That's very different. The tracking of data and the manipulation and use of data and the monetization as a third party, that's the bit that doesn't work. But you, so I don't know if I've answered that as well as I can, but it's all, but you need to do everything from click to lead to convert, um, to, to conversion and you should be knowing, you should understand what that cost is and make sure that that's communicated when you're using an agency like a career drive, not that we work in trucking, but that's certainly how we would, we would do it and roll those savings over to the client because that's, in my opinion, the right way to do it.
Well, first of all, I really appreciate you joining us today. Love talking to you. Love the uh, the accent. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to uh, take a trip to the UK, and hopefully, you can uh, you can show me around your stomping grounds. I will do. That sounds great. All right, mate. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. And just a quick reminder that Driver Reach recently launched our most valuable product to date, the DQ File Checklist, to help carriers ensure without a doubt that they've got compliance buttoned up. Visit driverreach.com slash checklist to learn more. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for Taking the Higher Road.